Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to another Saturday episode of the 1871 podcast. And it's the final home game of the season today against West Brom. And even though Reading is safe, we can relax now. Um, Wouldn't it be great to sign off at the SCL with a win and a clean sheet would be nice as well. So come on, you Rs. Let's hope uh, we get a win today. And a reminder that on tomorrow's episode, we complete our lineup for the greatest Reading eleven from the last 50 years and just the two forwards left to choose. So that's available from 10am tomorrow. Um, Now, Before I introduce our special guest for this episode, we had comedian and Reading fan Sam Michael on as our guest last night. And if you were listening to last night's episode, you might remember I asked him where and when people could see him in action. Um, And he contacted me after the episode and said he completely forgot to mention that he's supporting Matt Richardson in Reading in May. So he he said he completely forgot (laughs) to say that. Um, So that's... um, Sam, Sam Michael, he's at the Milk Bar near Reading Station on Tuesday, 17th of May with Matt Richardson. So pop down and have a look at that if you'd like to. And now it's time to introduce our special guest for this episode. So uh, hello and a warm welcome to Crystal, uh, former Crystal Palace manager, Alan Smith. Hello, Alan. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you uh, again. And um, for the listeners, if you're wondering why we have a former Crystal Palace manager on a Reading podcast, um, the reason is that Alan knows the likes of Steve Copper, Wally Downs, John Salako, and even record-breaking Royals manager Ian Bramford uh, very well. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to to have Alan on as, as a guest, obviously as a former manager anyway, but also to give us an insight into what those characters are, are, are really like. And when I say characters, Wally Downs falls into that category, of course. So, Alan, I'd like to start by asking you about Ian Bramford, um, a really successful manager for Reading in the 80s, um, won the Division Three title in 1986 at the end of that record-breaking season 
13 wins at the start of that season. And then the Simog Cup two years later, 1988 at Wembley. Um, firstly, tell us how you know Ian and also what is he like both in football terms and, and as a person? Well, I got to know Ian really just after he got the sack from Reading. I'd, I'd followed his career a little bit. Um, and Stuart Henderson, who was one of his coaches, Stuart used to take the reserve team and the youth team and sometimes play. He's still a very good player. And Ian, Ian Bradford would come and watch those games. And then in about 89, I think it was, um, we had a vacancy. And Steve Coppel said, well, look, why Ian Bradford's out of work. Um, why don't we just approach him and bring him in as a coach? I was the assistant manager. And he joined us. And in fact, he was an integral part of us getting to the cup final against Manchester United. He was our coach. And uh, I got on with him very well. He was serious. He'd been brought up under Graham Taylor uh, at Lincoln, I think. Uh, But he had good connections. He was a hard worker. He made it clear from the moment he joined us that if a manager's job came up, um, he would go and eventually went on to Southampton. But uh, a proper footballing man knew his job, uh, was serious, didn't, didn't take it as a laugh and a joke. You know, he went about his job. But, you know, I don't think at Palace he ever quite got the recognition he should have, um, except with the fact that he did go on off the back of that to manage Southampton. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, you know, that goes back to my, my time of starting supporting Reading. So, you know, I, I'd include him as, if you like, among my Reading heroes from, from those yeah. days ago. And one of those, certainly the next um, person we're going to talk about is is Simon Osborne. You also know Simon. Um, Simon had one brilliant season with the Royals in the mid-90s when they very nearly went up to the Premiership, finished second that season, but lost out to Bolton in the playoff final, of course. Um, so how do you know Simon and, and what sort of well, insight can you give us? Ozzy was a, Ozzy was a Croydon boy. Um, Dad was a Croydon, uh, was a fan of the club. He joined us at 14, incredibly talented, could see a pass a mile on, wasn't the biggest. And, you know, you look at players today, but he had such a quick brain. He had quick brain, quick feet, Simon. And at that time, we had a midfield of something like Jeff Thomas, Andy Gray, Alan Pardew, another Reading manager that we can throw in there. Um, but Aussie, I thought, was exceptional. He got in our promotion winning side that I managed when we did the championship. And he left us after I'd, I'd got the sack in, I think, about 94. But very talented, and I still see him around the Croydon area. He's one of his sons is a referee. And at the moment, he's involved in, he's been involved in non-league football at Bromley, um, Grey's Athletic at the moment. But just a lovely, lovely guy, talented. Went on to have a very good career at Wolves as well. And he's one of those players that you don't quite remember. But actually, if you look at the stats, they're really good, Mark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Alan Pardew there. Obviously, you know, uh, I think you'd probably say he's a Crystal Palace legend, wouldn't you? And obviously, you know him very well. Did you, you know, back um, from the time when you were working together, did you see him going in, you know, to potentially a, a management role? Was he, did he show? No, not, not really. I mean, if you, if you take somebody like Gareth Southgate, yes, I did. Yeah. Um, even when he was younger, he was doing this with Alan. 
Alan joined us from Yeovil. We paid £7,500 for him. It was an absolute bargain. A chap called Brian Hall was the manager recommended him. Um, but he always had an opinion, Alan. You know, he wasn't a wallflower by any stretch of the imagination. And he came into a very successful Palace team. Didn't always get in the team because, again, as I said, we had Jeff Thomas, Andy Gray, Dave Madden. We had a very strong team. But he battled his way into the team. And, of course, that semi-final goal against Liverpool when we beat them 4-3 put him into that legends bracket. And, in fact, I see him quite often. He lives, I don't know, three, four miles from us. And, you know, incredible career. Um, I think he started at Reading, didn't he? Um, You know, but to go on, manage Newcastle, Southampton, West Ham, you know, all those sort of names uh, peel off. So to answer it, Mark, no, I didn't. But, you know, some career and some big clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting obviously into um, the the people you know very well from your your Palace days. And John Salako is one of those. He was at Reading from, I think it was 2001 to 2005. Really popular player at Reading as well but he's best known of course for his time at Palace so you know what was John like to work with as a, as a player? Brilliant I mean he said again he was like bit like Simon Osborne came for us when I think he joined us in around about 1986 he was 15 16 year old could have been actually a professional cricketer for Kent good bowler good opening bat He's quite annoying, John. He's got a long, lots of things, you know. Um, he's looking younger and younger. I don't know about the pills he must be taking, but uh, very good, good singer, but really fitted in my and Steve's team very, very easily. Played in the cup on him. And you can play John anywhere. You can play John left back, left sided, a, a 10 off a nine. Um, and I'd put him up again as one of our best players at Palace. Um, and he just had this horrendous injury mark against Leeds. I can remember it to this day. He just came down. He did his cruciate on his knee. And he was out for about a year. And we sent him out to America with a guy called Andy Barnes, who had signed for Sutton. And he was out for about a year. And he really had to buckle back from that. It wasn't like today where the medical thing is so good. I mean, if you take a club like Palace, uh, we had a manager in Steve Koppel, myself as an assistant, Ian Brantford and a physio, you know, we didn't have these hundreds of doctors. So John really had to battle to get back where he was. But, um, and I know he's got an incredibly soft spot for, for Reading, but, you know, if I'm honest, you know, he again comes into that palace legends, really. Yeah. And, um, and we've got Johnny on the, the call. Uh, you wouldn't know it uh, until now, but Johnny, do you, do you want to come in at this point? Yeah. It's a, it's a small world. So I used to train with Alan Pardew at Yeovil Town. Yeah, I was in the youth team there and, well, and, and played on the old Hewish pitch, you know, the whole slope. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a, kept you fit as a young lad. But just listening to you <laughs> saying about Simon Osborne and John, those sort of naturally gifted players, Alan, how much is your coaching for them against, say, more of the hard-working type of players? How do you balance that out to support players like that? Well, I, I, my general viewing on players is you have to treat everybody individually. You can't just bandwagon. You know, at that time, you had to treat Ian Wright and Mark Bright slightly differently because they were our goal scorers. Um, Simon was a natural. 
But what we had a big thing at Palace at that time was that we had to be the fittest team. We trained really, really hard. A lot of it came from my non-league days with being working with a guy called Alan Batsford at Wimbledon. And he was a fitness fanatic. And when I when I met Steve, Steve was 28 years old. I was 38 and I've been brought up in that non-league scene. But Steve also always emphasised the fitness level. So if you were a Palace player, you had to be really, really fit. You know, and I don't care they put, say today about how players are fit, but we knew we used to run up a hill about 10 times in about five miles from where I live. And that, you know, we got it. So if you were like Simon, who, who had all the attributes and natural ability, John Salaka was very natural. We didn't let them just say, yeah, you're a natural f- footballer. We made sure they were fit and we were organised. Yeah. And and um, I want to obviously ask you about Steve Copper in more, more detail, Alan. But before that, a word about Gareth Southgate, because there's a, you know, a significant Reading connection here. Um, and Alan, you work very closely with, with Gareth, of course. And the, I know the two of you are still close personal friends. Um, so, I think I've got this right. Gareth's first competitive game as a manager was with Middlesbrough at the Medeski Stadium at the, start, at the start of the 2006-07 season. And yeah. that was a significant game for Reading, of course. First ever game in the Premier League. So it was Coppel versus Southgate. Middlesbrough took a 2-0 lead. But Reading came back to win 3-2 and went on that season. That that was the, the springboard, if you like, to... Um, going on and finishing eighth in their first ever Premier League season. So, fantastic start to the season for for Steve and for Reading. But as an introduction to management for Gareth, that must have been very tough. You, you know, did you speak to him after that game? You know, console him? What, what was his well, mood like and so on? Yeah, I did. In fact, knowing I was coming on with you today again, Mark, I spoke to him yesterday. I'm not specifically on this, but just to remind him, but the truth of it is, he should never have been put in as manager of, Reddit, of Middlesbrough at that time. I think he was about 33. He just retired on on playing. And I, they got it in their mind at Middlesbrough that he was a really good centre-half, was a club man. And he'd just go from being a player to a manager. So suddenly he's then faced with somebody like Steve Coppel, who started his management career at 28. Uh, had been to a cup final with Palace, got Palace promoted and was a seasoned manager. And really, you know, I'm trying to be detached here because both of them are real true friends of mine. Um, I'll be seeing Steve on Saturday. Um, we're going to Sutton United versus Bradford. Um, but what you had on the one hand, the seasoned professional in, in Steve, who'd been a manager for a long time and Gareth just thrown in and said, well, you know, look, good, you become a manager. And it just doesn't work. It just goes to show, I suppose even getting back to Brian McDermott's comments to you the other day, there was no infrastructure at, um, at Middlesbrough. And you're, you're just thrown into a job and said, you're the manager. You know, it's a whole different lot of problems that he would never have faced, that Steve would have done many, many times. So, there was a learning curve for Middlesbrough and Gareth there. Um, he eventually, once he got the hang of it, actually did a really good job there. Well, he's gone on to do all right for himself as a manager, hasn't he? Of course. He's done um, very well. 
And and Alan, you work very closely with with Steve Coppel at, at Palace. You know, another Reading legend we're we're talking about here. Um, you, you've known Steve a, a, a very long time now. How would you sum him up as a man and you know a football man and a football manager? Uh, and were you at all surprised at how well he did at Reading? Uh, well, to answer, no, I wasn't. Um, he's organised. He's understated. Uh, he's a player's manager. He understands the changing room. He knows the atmosphere of the club. When, I, As I say, when I first met him, I, I'd been at Dulwich Hamlet. I'd been at Wimbledon. Um, and I'd been at Palace for a little bit with the youth team. So I had more experience in coaching. What he had experience of was playing for England on 40 occasions, playing for a great club like Manchester United. But he never, ever mentioned that. He was very quiet. But my grasp of it was that he'd stand back and he'd see situations. He'd let the staff have so much license. If he wanted to pull me into line sometimes, he thought I'd uh, overstretch my position. He'd say something like, well, let's have an eight side together and I'll pick my best eight and you pick your best eight. They'd win about 6-0 and he used to come in and say, it's good that coaching book out, isn't it? Um, you know, he had a, I can't tell you, Mark, what a great 10 years I had working with him. We travelled the world, Cayman Islands, Jamaica, so many places we went to, South Africa, obviously pre-season. It, you know, I, look, I didn't really know at the time, I didn't realise, and I think he says the same, what we did and what we achieved at that club. So when you ask me whether he, when he went on to Reading, no, it doesn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me what he did at Brighton. Uh, my only surprise is he's not a consultant somewhere at football because he's non-political. He's a football person. He's incredibly honest. And he underplays himself. Normally, that's the extraordinary thing. I've never heard Steve boast about anything. Um, and by the way, Mark, he's bloody good company as well. Yeah, uh, and and did you speak to Steve a, a lot during that famous one hundred and six season, the first season in, in the Premier League? What you know, what was he like in, in those two seasons? I didn't really. I don't uh, because I think we both went our own ways, you know. And I think there's part of us that doesn't want to sort of step on another line. So I can't say that I did. He he went his route. Uh, he got his own staff in. I'd start to. Do, do other things. So, no, I, I didn't really. And I, I think we'd had our 10 years together. Um, and that was it, really. But, you know, like socially, yes, we did. He lives quite close to me. Um, yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, a fantastic time. You know, it's uh, it's obviously still recent, fairly recent history for, for Reddin. And he's got the, uh, um, the match coming up. Cobble versus McDermott, you know, his Cobble's team versus McDermott's team. That's coming up 
um, end of May. So that's going to be interesting seeing those right. three teams against each other. Um, Johnny, do you, do you want to come back in? Yeah, I was going to say, is there actually anyone in football that doesn't like Steve? Because he just seems such the, the bloke that he is, seems so genuine. You know, it's just um, nowadays when you see managers throwing their weight around and, and he just, just seemed such a different character. Yeah, I've never heard anybody, Johnny. There might have been, and I don't know this, the odd player, because every so often you're going to upset somebody in that job, but he's always conducted himself with dignity. He doesn't waste words. I'm, I'm a little bit more outward. Steve was certainly a, a much quieter, but he, I have always, and I still think now he's very understated. He doesn't try and sell himself. He's not mad on being on television. He doesn't chase the game. As I said to you there, we're off to Sutton and uh, Bradford on Saturday. We've been to watch Dorking recently. We've been to watch Dulwich Hamlet. You know, he's very happy being involved in, in football. He didn't have to chase the limelight. But I think if he did or had have been his career, I think there'd be a lot more people clambering for him to be there. But he's that's never been Steve's personality. And even when we, I remember at Palace when we beat Liverpool 4-3, um, he just said to me, come on, let's get off the pitch. And there's a little clips, Johnny, of, him running off the pitch with me behind him. And I'm not putting myself in the same case. He said, come on. And he said, Alan, it's a player's day. This is for the players, not for us. And I, whenever I went to Reading during the period that Mark was talking about, I'd go in the ballroom, it was just the same there. You know, Majeski used to come over and say, oh, I don't know a lot about Steve. You know, he doesn't come out with me for a drink. And he, he doesn't. You know, that is not him. But I've never heard anybody not have respect for him or a good word, Johnny, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and a lot of credit, of course, as all Reading fans know, for, mm-hmm. for that Reading side that played in the Premier League for the first time in, in 2006, the 106 season, you know, fantastic season that was. Um, a lot of the credit for that goes to Wally Downs, and you know Wally really well. And as I mm-hmm. already said, you know, Character is quite a good word to describe him, isn't it? What <laughs> what was he like to, to work with, Alan? A great fun, you know. Um, I signed, well, I signed. I first saw Wally Downs playing at Craven Cottage as a 16-year-old. I was at Wimbledon and Ron Nodes came with me but the, to the game. He was chairman of Wimbledon at that time, not Palace. And we could hear this chirpy little blonde guy out in the pitch. And that happened to be Wally. He joined us at Wimbledon. Um, always a sharp brain, always challenge you. Uh, as a coach, as good as you're ever going to work with, and had his own way. You know, Wally's not everybody's cup of tea because he tells you as it is, and he's got a very sharp brain, and he's got that Cockney London Shepherd Bush where he's brought up uh, humour. But I, I've, you know, I, again, I spoke to him yesterday. He's out in Jamaica at the moment. Uh, very, very talented guy. And Steve, I, I can't think of two more opposed characters than Steve and Wally in a way, but it absolutely gelled as a as a group. Um, so, you know, again, I, I look at him. I, I hadn't realised till we were doing this podcast the amount of connections there'd been between our two, when I say our two clubs, Palace and us, but... Then when I think about it, you know, more with Branny coming and working with us, 
paths going to Reading, I can see, and obviously, Steve, why players then followed it around. Yeah. I hadn't realised to what extent it really was. Yeah. Jo- Johnny, do you want to come back in again? Yeah, so, like, you know, as a manager and assistant manager, the dynamic there, what what needs to happen to make it work so well between the two? I think you've got to be... You've got to be different. You you mustn't be a yes man as the number two. Wally was not a yes man. I don't think Wally was the number two and he was a coach. But and when I worked with Steve, um, I'd be quite honest with him if I thought something had gone wrong in behind closed doors. Uh as I say, we're we're completely different personalities, Steve and I. I'm you know, quite like doing things like the podcast. I quite like my television stuff when I did it. Steve really wasn't into that, but he always had the final word. He'd ponder on what you had to say. He'd invite you, your conversation. But I think sometimes I look at a few number twos around the place and they just seem a bit of a yes man for the manager. You know, there's one or two documentaries we've all seen over the years, Johnny, and you're sort of cringing. Um, I had a very good assistant manager in David Kemp who worked for me, and he was the same. He'd tell me when he thought I was wrong. But once the manager's made the decision, you don't undermine him. You know, you stick with that. So I would say to any manager, get somebody that's quite a strong character because you've got to control Wally as well. You can't let Wally just run loose, you know, because it could, I'm only suggesting, could could be a bit of havoc along the way. But at the time, uh, Wally was there again. You had Brian McDermott, the voice of common sense, been a good player, you know, knew his coaching. So I, I think surround yourself with people that are different, have different opinions to you, but also, you know, don't realise that they, they shouldn't be the manager. Well, you, you said about the, the contrast there, and um, uh, we, we've had Steve and Wally on as guests and, and both fantastic guests. And we, we talked to Wally about that uh, that game against Sheffield United and, <laughs> and Neil Warnock. And, and oh, I, remem- I remember seeing it because Keith Gillespie got sent off after about 10 seconds. You know, Wally got into an argument with Neil Warnock and threw a punch. Yeah. And, and you can see Steve, exactly what you said, Alan. You can see Steve just out of the way. You can see him on the edge of the picture, <laughs> watching it all unfold, letting Wally sort of you know, do his do his thing, and 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 that that was kind of that sort of highlighted that type of relationship. What you were talking about, but um, I want to ask you about a, a current Palace player, Michael Elise, who was previously at Reading, of course, great player. I think Palace got an absolute bargain with with him, didn't they? Oh. I mean, how how far do they think Michael can go at Palace, and and how highly does Patrick Vieira rate him? Well, I saw him play on um, Monday night against Leeds. He came on with about 25 minutes to go. And he just lit the plates up when he came on. Really caught the eye. I mean, he, he played in earlier games, Mark, but he got injured. Uh, very, very talented in the game. I didn't mention it to go to Southgate yesterday because he's not English. He, he's not he, he, he's not English. And that, but I did say to Gareth, God, this boy is talented. I think I'm right. He's only about 20, isn't he, Mark? Am I yeah. right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, Palace have done really well in identifying that talent so early. And it's it's a it's a big loss because, quite frankly, he, he is, I'd say, exceptional. 
yeah. And, and Johnny, do you want to? Um, I know you were interested in in asking Alan about Michael Elise. Do you want to come back in again? Yeah, I think. I mean, you've obviously worked with a lot of young talents and watching Michael play. I mean, do you think you know, if he's going to play play for England or or France? Full, yeah, you know, the full national squad. Is that oh, good? Oh yeah, without doubt. You know, I mean. Like, I have no doubt in saying now that if he was English, he would, you know, with another season under his belt, he would be getting, knocking in on that squad very tight. And one of the great things about some of the things we've spoken about, whether it was getting back to Branny, getting back to Steve, getting back to Wally, the great satisfaction of doing this job is when people say to you as a manager, what did you achieve or an assistant? You know, what we did as a, as a group was we bought so many players through like John Salako, like Ozzy, like Gareth, just people we mention on these podcasts. And that's the best part of the job, you know, seeing Elise on, on Monday, although I had nothing to do with the development, I thought, God, you know, that I, I'd really like to work with somebody like that. And I think he's lucky, or lucky, that he's got somebody now like Patrick Vieira that can take him under his wing. And I know Patrick, you know, is absolutely, you know, thinks he's marvellous. Yeah. And he's um, is he as far as you're aware? Is he set on playing for France? Because obviously, until you actually make a senior debut, you you can. And there there have been examples. Shaka Hislop yeah. played for Reading. Yeah. He you know he played a friendly for England, and then you, you know eventually played for Trinidad and Tobago. So, do, do, as far as you know, is is he absolutely set on playing for France? I, the truth is, Mark, I don't know. Um, I'd like to think not, but look. France have a very good national team. Um, and so you have to pick your moments of, you know, we've got uh, the same at Palace, you know, we've got players playing for the Ivory Coast, you know, that probably could have made it for England, but it's easier. It, obviously, that's not the case with France. You're talking about one of the senior teams. I suspect he will go to the French level, but the truth is, I don't know and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. All right, well, Alan, it's been absolutely fantastic to to get you on as a guest. Re- really enjoyed speaking to you, and and obviously we, you know, we we've had a lot of Reading legends on managers, you know, ex ex players, which is fantastic. But it's always nice to get a, a different perspective as as well, and to speak to you as a um, former manager as well. So um, thanks ever so much for being a guest for for giving us that that, that insight. Um, and it's the final home game of the season today against West Brom. So come on, you ours. Um, and a quick reminder that on tomorrow's episode, we complete our greatest Reading eleven from the last 50 years when we're choosing our two strikers. So have a listen to that. That's available from 10am tomorrow. So that's it for now. Um, thank you to Alan. Thank you, Johnny. And uh, all that leaves me to say finally today, Reading, come on, you ours. Thanks, Alan. That was really good. I enjoyed that. No, that's a pleasure, yeah. Mark. Pleasure, Thank you Johnny. so much, Alan. Love yeah. to meet you. Good luck. By the way, you've got Steve Bruce, ex Palace yeah. manager there. So. Yeah. But no, yeah, it'd be, no it'd be, be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, j- just um, not, not for the podcast now, but um, what it, as a manager, in, in that situation where that Paul Ince is in, I probably should have asked you this, but um, when you've got two games left to go and you're already safe do you start do you chuck a few younger players in players that haven't had a chance or no I don't think I would I think 
Paul has got to try and finish on a high. Here. Yeah. I mean, he's done well. He, he's done the job that was asked of him, and that was to keep Reading in that division, which yeah. he's done uh, just. I wouldn't say it's been spectacular, but that's Easter, friendly. Easter weekend he, was pretty good, though. Not well, not Easter the, weekend, but yeah. Not, but not I, I, um, I just feel that he's got to finish quite strongly and give mm-hmm. Alf or your fans some hope for next year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's much point in putting youngsters in when we haven't had a great, or you haven't had a great yeah. run. I'd stick with what I've got and then sit back. And if he's going to put the youngsters in, do that pre-season and and, and see how you go. Um, yeah. What, and by the way, I mean, Steve Bruce is going to want to watch the game because he's gone in at West yeah. Brom. And yeah. The results have been indifferent. Um yeah. So he's going to want to finish quite strongly. And I don't think we can afford to, on Saturday to put in a hard performance. We need to, need to sort of sow in the fans' mind where we're going for next season. Yeah. Um, Reading assigned a, a player at centre-back, Terrell Thomas. He's, he's 26, I think. Um, yeah. And, and Reading have got their established centre-backs, Mike, Michael Morrison, etc. Um, would you Would you bring somebody like him in at centre-back or, or are you sticking to your best team, do you think? I, I'd stick to my best team. I'd stick to my tried and trust him. I'd use him as my trump card next season when we can do a good Paul Ince pre-season that he's yeah. got the land under his thing and start afresh. I don't think now's the time to experiment, gamble. Um, yeah. And also, I'm not sure it's fair on the player either. I think I'd, yeah. you know... Our confidence is not rocket high. It's okay, you know, because job yeah. done. But, um, you know, I think at the moment I'd leave well alone. And, and do you? Um, I should have asked. Oh, you. I'm have to go, mate. Yeah. Okay. Cheers, Johnny. Thank Johnny. you. Going back to work. Sorry, guys. Let All me right. see you, Johnny. Bye, bye. Good luck. Bye, bye. And Alan, Reading have got just just asking for my own curiosity, really. But Alan have got the uh, sorry, Reading have got a situation. <laughs> where, uh, a lot of players are coming to the end of contracts. Now, a lot of the Reading fans, and as you know with football fans, they, they do have a tendency sometimes to be very negative, look, look on mm. the negative side of things. But we, we've seen plenty of examples over the years, where, and Reading have done it in the past. Uh, I'm sure Crystal Palace have as well, where you get, you, you get quite a few players leave, but then, but then you've got an opportunity to, because Paul Ince has inherited that squad. Yeah. Um, so he's got a, for me, I see it as a, a positive opportunity for him to, we don't know if it's going to be him or not, to bring in new players uh, and, and sort of build his own team if he's going to be given the job. Is that the way you see it, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think he'll have formed his own opinion. I mean, I think if you had asked me, I would have been surprised that Paul Ince went in at Reading. Yeah, yeah. I think he's done a good job because he's done the job that was asked of him. Yeah, the testing time will be then, but I think he, he he's earned the right to now get his own players in there, and I think it's yeah. the timing of it's quite is actually quite good for Reading to freshen yeah. it up. I think well, they, a lot whole, of players whole summer as well now, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah, and he's got a, a good team. I mean, it's going to be a weird season with a World Cup break. I yeah, mean, that affects us. Yeah, um, but I think he's got a good chance. I, I think what Reading needs to do is first of all, though identify and announce to the fans that they are going to keep Paul. I don't yeah, see any point I, I, in delaying. I think, 
I, I get the impression they're going to wait until after the the final game. Yeah, and, no, and, no, and then no. announce it. But um, Alan, we're we're almost out of time now. We've... Mark, just before you go, who, yeah. who's his staff? Remind me, who's he got with uh, him? He's got Michael Jilks, uh, Alex yes. Gray, and Michaeli Ledgetwood. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and they brought in Noel Hunt, a former Reading players under twenty threes, because Michael Jilks was under twenty threes. Um, Alan, we 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 have a time limit on this for. Okay. No, go on. So no, uh, we're about we're about to get cut off. So. Okay. Um, thanks again, and you know, really, Pleasure. really good to see you again, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for all your help with everything. Okay, and all good luck Saturday to you and to Johnny. Yeah, see you then. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.